Curtis, and thank you to our children. Well, our children are a blessing, aren't they? Well, some of you think they are a blessing. <laughs> Don Carroll, I appreciate your thoughts this morning uh, as we gathered around the table. And uh, also want to give a shout out to Don and Shirley. They will be celebrating 60 years of marriage this week. So let's let them know how proud we are of them. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to hold them up for a minute. And I want you to just look at your Bible for a minute, the outside of it. Don't open it up yet. Just look at your Bible for just a second. Some of, it, some of you may be holding a new Bible up. Some of you may be holding a Bible that was your grandmother's or your mother's. How many of you have a Bible with you this morning that belonged to somebody in your family years ago? Raise your hand. A few of you do. That is great. Now, I want to ask you this question as we begin this morning and as we continue our series on Believe. I hope you are beginning to realize that what you believe really matters. We're living in a time today that is so crucial to our faith and to understanding that there is a lot going on in our world, right? And through all of that, we need to feel confident and believe that God is alive, He's active, He's at work, but what we believe as His children really matters. Now, can you imagine with me for a moment what it would be like to never have a Bible. Man, that just goes beyond our comprehension, doesn't it? And yet I'm reminded this morning of places around the globe that for the first time, they have a Bible. I'm thinking of people, and especially little children in Eastern Europe, in various places in Eastern Europe, the leadership of the country there came and said, you know what, we want Bibles in our country, but not only that, we want to make sure that every child in our public school systems have a Bible. And so over recent years, churches in the United States have taken up contribution and raised over a million dollars they call it Eastern European Missions Group. They call it Million Dollar Sunday. And all of those proceeds go to purchase Bibles for children and families. That is beautiful. There are, there are places like China who they have to, in certain places, they have to go into secret to just open their Bible up. Because if they're caught with their Bible... It could lead to their death. And yet, there are people right now, not just on Sundays, but every week, that will do that. They will do whatever it takes to open up God's Word and to study from it because they, they don't just want a Bible. They want, to, they want to have it come live within their heart. And they'll do anything they can, even at the risk of, of their own life to read it. And yet, I stand before you today and we can't even fathom that, can we? Uh, because we have everything that we could ever imagine. 
Well, years ago, there was a man by the name of Bishop Felix who served God during the reign of Diocletian, who was the emperor of Rome. Now, this was in 303 A.D. when Diocletian decided that he had had enough of this Christian movement, and he committed and he set out and said, I'm going to do everything that I can to destroy all of the holy writings of God. And so all the Christian scriptures were ordered to be handed over to the authorities for destruction. Then what, what would it be like this morning if I said, we have been ordered by our country that when you leave this place today to put your Bibles in a box as you leave, the temptation would be, you're not getting my Bible. And a lot of you in here probably wouldn't even put that in the box because you would do everything that you could to hold on to that and to protect it and to preserve it. Well, that's exactly what Bishop Felix did. And he was arrested and shipped off to Rome. And history goes on to record that on August 30th, 303 A.D., Bishop Felix said, with pious obstinance laid down his life rather than to surrender, he called it his gospel. He said, by no means will you take my holy word from me. And so we take a look at that and we're reminded that the Bible is far and away the most popular book in the history of the world. Over a hundred million copies of God's word are given away or sold every year. The Gideons are giving Bibles away just about every second is what it calculates to. And then in a recent American Bible Society survey reports this. It said 88% of the respondents said they own a Bible. About 80% of those that responded said that they think the Bible is sacred. And look at this. The average household has 4.4 Bibles. Now, go back to the collage of pictures, Kim, for just a minute of Bibles. How many of you in your home have at least... Ten or more Bibles, raise your hand. Keep them up high. Well, let's go down a little bit. How many of you have five or more, raise your hand. Okay. Now, some of those Bibles probably hold special meaning to you. Maybe they were passed down to you from a family member or a friend. And maybe, maybe in the front of your Bible, maybe somebody wrote to you. I'm preaching out of a Bible this morning that my four children gave to me several Christmases ago, and it said, Dear Daddy, we love you. You're the greatest dad in the world. We hope you enjoy this Bible as you share God's Word with everyone. I read those words, and my four kids sign that. I read those words every Sunday before I get up to preach. I have other Bibles in my office. I think the last count was about 25 to 30. And some of those are ones that uh, my dad and my grandfather have passed down to me. And I look in the front of those to see uh, the special message that they wrote to me or a charge or a challenge. Bibles mean everything to us, or they should. But I'm wondering this morning, have we come to a point in our life where we just sometimes take the written Word of God for granted? 
I mean, have we come to the point to where we realize we have all these Bibles on the shelf, some that are very old-looking and some that are brand new, but folks, let me tell you, it does no good to have that Bible on a shelf if you're not going to take it off of the shelf and open it up and allow God's active Word to come off of that page and into our living hearts. That's exactly what God wants to do with His Word. And so the key question that I want us to talk about this morning for a little bit is this. How can I know God? And not only that, how can I know what His will is for my life? So that's a key question. The key idea is this. I believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God that guides my beliefs and actions. In other words, of all the books that you can go out and buy, there's not a book out there that's going to help you in your life more than God's holy word, the Bible. And it's one thing to say, oh, I know that. But it's altogether another thing to take it and to search it and to read it and to underline and highlight and circle and write little sub-notes, whatever you have to do, that's when the Bible is coming alive. That's when God's Word is coming off the page and into your heart. And so there's a beautiful song in the last few years that we have sung. It's entitled, Ancient Words. And I want us to sing that this morning as a church. And I want you to focus on the message of this song as we sing through this. Holy words long preserved for our walk in this world. They resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart words of life, words of hope. Give us strength, help us hope in this world where'er we roam. Ancient words will guide. Now sing it like you mean it. Ready? Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. We have come with open heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart Holy words of our faith Handed down to this age Came to us through sacrifice Oh, heed the faithful words of Christ Holy words long preserved for our walk in this world, they resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words sing out, church. You ready? Ancient words ever true, changing me and changing you. We have come with open heart. Oh, let the Ancient words ever true, changing me. 
search through your phone right now, there are a lot of apps on your phone. There's a saying, and it is true, there's an app for that, right? I want to tell you this morning that as you search through God's Word, here's reality. The Bible is God's app for living, and everything in God's Word is good for us. And so here's sometimes the challenge that we face. If you want to know God's will for your life, it's right there in Scripture, but you can't just pick it up and pick and choose what you want. What God wants us to do is to realize and understand this. In your life, you have to submit, now listen to me, you have to submit your life and all your being to everything in God's Word. You have to take your life where it is right now, and you have to allow God to work and to shape and to mold you and to change you. And we see the Word come to life. We are transformed into something beautiful. We are transformed into something more. And the only one that can do that is God himself. I want you to look at this scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Did you see that again? Everything that we read in God's word, look what Paul says. It's breathed out by God, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now I want you to think about the first time that we hear the word breathed. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So you see, the same breath that breathed life into the first man can also breathe life into you. And here's what we begin to see. The written word that we have on our Bibles leads us to the living word. Okay? The written word comes alive, and it comes off of those pages and here, you've heard me say this before, when you're baptized into Christ, a beautiful thing, a beautiful transformation takes place. And here's what it is. We are not only baptized into Christ, we are baptized into His story. And so the story of Christ and the story that we read in Scripture comes alive in us. And we have that opportunity every day to live that out among a lost and dying and sinful world. John chapter 1, in the beginning, the Word already existed. 
the Word was with God and the Word was God. That word for word is logos, which was a philosophical term that Greeks used to describe the force that was in and through everything. And so think about it. The written logos with force comes into our lives. And I'll say with the same force it needs to go out into a lost and dying world. Amen, church? Just as God breathes it into us, we send it out because of the life that we live. And so when you read the Bible, you don't just come to know about God, you actually get to know Him up front and personal, as we like to say. Go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and look what the Hebrew writer says. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of morrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So the Bible is living and active, and in a figurative sense, we see the Spirit and we see the truth of God as it satisfies the need and the desires of our souls. Believe it or not, as we are gathered here this morning, every one of us, we have needs, don't we? We have needs and we have satisfactions that meet those needs. And what God wants us to realize is that all of His Scripture is breathed out by Him and it needs to come into our life and help us understand that the Bible and God through His Son Jesus, they are the ones that can come and look deep into our heart and our soul and meet all the needs that we will ever have. But again, what we have to do is we have to, in our life, we have to say, Lord, here am I. And going back to last week, I'm going to surrender everything that I have. And I'm going to give it to you. And I want your living word to come and take up residence in my heart. Now, before we close, I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 6. And I want to show you a beautiful section of scripture from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. And I want you to find the first verse. And we're going to read a few verses and make a little application. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphs, and each had six wings. And with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. I mean, here is the sight of this powerful presence of God. And I mean, he is shaking Isaiah to the core, and it needs to shake us to the core. And he comes down to a pivotal point, and he says in verse 5, I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord God Almighty. And then 
God asks a startling question in verse 8. He says, who will go for us? He says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then, about that time, Isaiah spoke up and he said, here am I, send me. And that's the same message that God speaks to us today. Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And all the people of God at that point need to stand up and say, I will. I will go. I will be the one, God, that you will use, that you will work through, and I will do everything that I can to take everything found in your living word and take it to a lost and dying people. I will do that, Isaiah said. And so I want to ask you this morning, if God asked that question, and he does, if he came in here right now and said, who will go for me? What would you say? Now, I'm just the messenger, okay? I'm just delivering the message but do you hear what the author says? Who will go? Isaiah said, I will. And I wonder this morning in this crowd, who would stand and say, I'll go. I'll be the one to take that message out. As sinful as I am, Isaiah was. He says, who am I? I mean, I'm ruined. Folks, you know what? We're ruined without God. But when we look to the face of God, we should be able to cry out just like Isaiah did, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen? That's the message. Who will go? Being a Christian is not about just spouting off a bunch of doctrines or reciting words and ideas. It's about a personal love relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all of us are here this morning and we're living proof of this. It transforms our life, doesn't it? I mean, where would you be this morning without God and his word where would you be and more than that what kind of person and what kind of life would you be living the Bible is the inspired word of God that guides our actions and so I challenge you today to take one of those 4.4 Bibles that you have on your shelf or that's sitting on your bedside or somewhere in your house and even if you have to take it off and blow the dust off, get after it and do it. And open it up and let those stories, there's some wild stories in there, isn't there? 
I mean, there's some stories that you really shouldn't read to your kids before they go off to sleep found in this Bible, right? But when they wake up, boy, you need to tell them those stories. And if you're here today and you say, I don't remember all those stories, you know what, I don't either. But that's why I have 25 Bibles in my office to remind myself daily, oh, here's another story, here's another one, and here's, here's another one. I preached a lesson last Sunday night, a dual passage in the Old Testament that I'll be honest, I hadn't looked at and found until last week, and I thought, man, I haven't looked at that one in a while. It preached, or it did to me. This will work, folks. This will work. But you've got to open it up. You've got to submit to it. And you've got to allow God to come off the pages and into your heart. Whatever you've got to do, do it. It'll bless your life. And so will you answer that call that God sent out in Isaiah's day? Who will go for me? Isaiah said, I will. If you want to join Isaiah this morning, I encourage you to stand right now. Go ahead, that's your cue to stand. Unless you don't want to join him, then don't. <laughs> Wake up, hello. <laughs> Allow God to transform and change who you are. And here's the good news. You get to do that day by day by day. So while we're standing to sing this song, if there's anything we can do for you today, we ask you to come right now.